Welcome to Chili Pod, Chili Pod Podcast, and I am Chili. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to tell you a little story or two. Hey guys, it's old Chili again. Welcome back. And if you've listened to a few of these little podcasts of the Chili Pod, you can see that they do not follow strict chronological time and events. They just go all over the place. I've lived a very interesting life and you know, it's just kind of like picking up little nuggets of wonder uh, along the way. So here's one that I really think you'll enjoy. It tickles me to uh, to read it to you. Here it's called Gumbo for 2000. It was 1986. I was a member of a church in McKinney, Texas. The flock was led by Father John White, minister. John would lead me every Sunday to a place I needed to go by way of his thoughtful sermons. I followed and supported him in every way I could. The vestry was a small group of parishioners charged with conducting the church's business. I gladly accepted the position as a member when asked by John to join. I was on the vestry with old Bobby Bob Richards, <laughs> and that was great. Bob was the chief police power weightlifter, ex-football team member of the Southern Methodist Mustangs, and a good friend. I mean, a great friend of mine. He grew up on the Texas Gulf Coast, just 40 miles from where my childhood home was. You know, the vestry meetings were mostly cookie cutter with little excitement or drama. After one meeting, John approached Bob and me for a favor and, of course, an opportunity to serve. Two local high school girls had an invitation to go all the way to China to play volleyball in an international tournament. John asked us to come up with a plan to raise money for their trips. One of the girls could not afford to go, and the other one was from a very wealthy family in town. I suggested to my buddy, the chief, that we take the father with all the money, hold him up by his legs and shake till all the money we needed fell from his pockets. Uh, another plan was probably necessary. But as I said, Bob and I were from similar areas, both close to southern Louisiana. Gumbo was an easy call, and we knew how to make it. $10,000 was the target amount to send the girls to China. That's a lot of gumbo for anybody to cook. We were both big boys, and calculating the amount for each person that would be served, we used our consumption formula of $12,000, that comes to 2,000 bowls of gumbo. Our target profit was a little less than the 12,000. It was 10,000. You know, neither of us used anything uh, that even could have resembled a recipe. And the fun was just beginning. Arrangements were made for us to use the McKinney High School cafeteria for food prep and service. My only reservation was that I refused to wear one of those little hair nets. An inspection of the kitchen was made, and we found two 50-gallon steam-heated soup cookers. 75 gallons was what we were going to make. 
And if we went over that, you know, that was just fine. Bob and I met with a local Brookshire's food market manager, and he consented to supply produce, chicken, stock, sausage for our event. Next came the question I had not anticipated. How much of everything do you need, asked the Brookshire's manager. Bob and I looked at each other and said, well, plenty. We settled on 250 chickens, 100 sausage rounds, 50-pound sack of onions, and 30 pounds of celery, and a bunch of garlic. The ticket sales went briskly, and we did not see any wisdom in counting sales. All I wanted to know was how much money we had received. The week before the event was very busy. Bob was in charge of the roux preparation. We needed at least 10 pounds of the brown gold, and a masterful job was done by the chief. Friday before Sunday, we were going to serve the gumbo. We picked up the supplies from our new friends at Brookshire's. There was plenty of room in the chill box at the school for our ingredients. We were all set to cook. Early Sunday morning, Bob and I met at the school cafeteria to begin the gumbo. We filled the two soup cauldrons with water and put the chickens in the cool water. One hour later, the chickens were still swimming in the cool water. We were not shown how to start the cookers. Soon help arrived and the steam valve was open. The gumbo was saved. The chickens cooked quickly and were removed from the stock to cool and debone. While the celery, garlic, green peppers, and onions were cooking, the chickens were being stripped by less than enthusiastic family members. We mistakenly thought that we could handle all the cooking, but family was summoned once again to bail us out. The job was too much for two guys. How much roux did we use? One spouse asked the chief. Well, we just cut 10 pounds into a brick and a half and we'll use the other one in the other two pots if we need. Great, we were well on our way to becoming the star chefs of McKinney, Texas. Service was to begin at three that afternoon. At noon, the 95 gallons of gumbo, not 75, was simmering and ready to be tasted. Bob had the honors. Where's the soup spoon, he asked. A cold shudder came over me. We had no silverware, no napkins, no soup bowls, no plastic cups. We did have enough tea and gumbo to drown a horse in, but the family came to the rescue. Any stores open on Sunday needed to be relieved of all picnic supplies. At 2 o'clock p.m., the plate supplies arrived, as did the hungry church crowd. The line began to form and spread out the door of the cafeteria. John thanked each diner and took the money. Very few paid the $6 a head. Most contributed 10 to 20 bucks each. Bob and I proudly served bowls of our gumbo and surveyed the cafeteria for anyone maybe choking on an errant chicken bone. No calamity, only great praise and delicious smiles. We ladled until the last one in line was served. I called back the pot crew how much gumbo we have left. You know, a little under one pot, 
Good God, that was a whole ton. That was probably 40 gallons. And that we announced three seconds and to-go gumbo is available. Some came up for an extra bowl or a to-go portion, but in the end, we had about 30 gallons of gumbo left. Bob asked, okay, what are we going to do with this stuff? I handed him a serving spoon. I said, let's start eating slowly and maybe we can put a dent in it. You. <laughs> he rolled his eyes and says, you are going to jail, Drew. I'll take it. I asked him if he wanted to take the gallons of gumbo home. He looked around the kitchen and saw two empty garbage bags in the corner. Let's put trash bags in these cans, and I'll take them, the preacher said. Put them in my garage until I figure out what to do. Kitchen cleaned, gumbo loaded, and money stashed. A day well spent it was. We cleared more than enough to send the girls to China and to give them some spending money to take along the way. The extra cash was a contribution to our dear John White to spend as he desired on his ministry. Oh, what became of that gumbo? Well, here we go. The gumbo containers were put in the back of Reverend White's garage. The weather was cold, so the gumbo was safe for a day or so. Later that night, my phone rang with gumbo news. Judy... John's wife came home after dark and pulled into the garage. He continued, I had a light out in there and it was dark and Judy ran into the garbage cans. I stopped him and asked, did any of the gumbo spill? He replied, yeah, all of it down the driveway and into the street. I asked, can I come over and help with the cleanup? He said, no. The neighborhood dogs and cats are doing fine with the mess. I love John White. It is amazing what friends can do together for fun and good. This story I have had great fun remembering. Gumbo for 2000. Chill out, peace, watch the intersections, and good luck. Cook some gumbo. It's fun. 